scored 229,000 points. Uh, pretty weak game considering I played a few already. Uh, a little bit half than what uh, Steve scored. Uh, and uh, Steve's up again. Steve almost lost a man right there at the end of that board. He got a lucky, lucky break. The randomness went the opposite way that it usually goes. Uh, you know, not as hard as doing a decathlon or a triathlon, but still very, very hard. He could beat it if he, if he, he'd have to have a really good game. He's going to have a shot at getting to the kill screen. Uh, as far as I know, no one's ever achieved a kill screen on the Donkey Kong <clears throat> machine at Fun Spot. Donkey Kong is really strange in that it actually lets you play the, um, the kill screen level for maybe five seconds or so. Everything looks normal and then suddenly Mario just up and dies on you. There's a potential Donkey Kong kill screen if you want to watch. If anybody wants to see, there's a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. Uh, there's a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up if anybody wants to watch. There's a Donkey Kong kill screen might be coming up if anybody wants to see it. There's a potential Donkey Kong kill screen if you want to watch. Hey, Todd. If you're interested, uh, there might be a Donkey Kong kill screen in a couple minutes. And, uh, you know, it's not going to get any easier. Uh, so we, we may have an exciting moment here, uh, or, uh, you know, the, the pressure may get to him. One of those random elements might happen. Uh, sounds like he just cleared another board, but we could have a wild barrel or some aggressive fireballs. I thought I was going to be the first fun spot kill screen, uh, and then I had, I had three fireballs trap me. I had the hammer in my hand. They still got me. Uh, so anything can happen in Donkey Kong. So uh, for someone else to beat me to the kill screen would be a letdown, but let's see what happens. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll crack under the pressure and maybe I'll get my chance to do it first. Uh, the kill screen, kill screen kicked it. Um, Walter Day stated that this was the highest score ever done and this is the first uh, kill screen achieved on Funspot's machine. Uh, Steve Wiebe has become the third person to reach uh, Donkey Kong's kill screen. fun i hear that i never want it to end it's so brief it's like a song that you don't want to end that ends and you're like well i'm gonna listen to that again i would listen to that many times in a row welcome to the cinema podcast that's travis that's eric i'm michael today we're going to talk about eric's selection it's uh, right behind me the uh king of kong fistful of quarters that'll be the main event for our does it hold up or not and of course we'll give you our quarantine viewing selections we wanted to thank our first patron travis uh we have a patron on our patreon Woohoo! Yippee! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
shout out to friend of the show and um, also someone that I have another podcast with that's on hiatus, Chad Gibbons, everybody. Thank you, Chad, for, for being hey, Chad. our patron. We appreciate you. Yeah, you're going to love the uh, latest installment. Yeah, It's about religious upbringings. I think you'll find it interesting. So. <laughs> Uh, it's now available on our Patreon. And if you want to be a patron, the Patreon link is in the show notes, and you can click on that. Uh, we need to find a better way to... I know somebody who has... So the name of their podcast is just their Patreon link. It's called InThisLeague.com, and if you type in InThisLeague.com, it goes right to their Patreon. So I don't know how that's possible or if they had to buy a domain name and then reroute it, but maybe we'll work on that down the road. Either way... Uh, we love Patreon. We love our people. We love all of you. And Travis, you love movies. Uh, how are you doing? Have you been to the theater this week or recently? No, not since the new Downton Abbey with my mom a couple weeks ago. Uh, oh, that's right. I haven't, I haven't, I still haven't caught Top Gun. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> you haven't seen Top Gun 2 or the new Jurassic World? Dude, I my students asked me the other day if I was going to see that. And I told them if I'm seeing that movie, it's because someone strapped me down and taped my eyes open. <laughs> 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 did we uh did we talk about this last week or you sent it to me eric that's right the all-time disparity on the rotten tomatoes at the time for the critics and the audience on the final jurassic world installment wow yeah it's a pretty intense uh, uh the critics have spoken the audience will go there they're dinosaurs i mean people are going to show up <laughs> yeah. but uh these reviews <laughs> these reviews are not sending me to the theater anytime soon but no so do you don't side with like fan if the fans no. are loving it, at no. Eight, the no. fans go oh, no. just because oh, okay. they, they, that's like get asses in seats. Uh, if the critics are out of control, then I go there. The fans will go no matter what. It doesn't matter. Plus, like, uh, like I, I do check, I, I, and I did want to mention this before. I will check uh, cinema scores more regularly than Rotten Tomatoes because that's like literally people right out of the theater as opposed to like, you know, fans that are just gonna like push. Uh, uh, content that they are fans of regardless of whatever the fuck like Rotten Tomatoes does like cinema scores tends to just be like regular people like hey you just got out of theater what do you think and then you get more of a in my opinion unbiased kind of unfiltered opinion but yeah <laughs> no one's saying anything good about Dominion so far and I could not care less like every time Chris Pratt like holds up his dumb hand to, like the dinosaur I'm like remember when the dinosaurs were scary and like you didn't <laughs> want to help them that's yeah yeah let me know when that happens again if if the word of mouth hadn't been so terrible, maybe I would I would be in there because I'm not against like a roller coaster kind of ride of a movie, but the word of mouth is terrible. Really? <sighs> yeah. I mean, I've heard nothing but bad things from from the from human the people beings. I listen to. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I haven't been talking to frogs. Dogs about aren't it. impressed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's, do we trust Colin Trevorrow at all? Is no. he not a trust? Oh, we don't. Okay. I've never. No. I mean, what has he done that's good? The Book of Eli was fucking god no, awful. Terrible. Jurassic World was awful. His track record is is horseshit. Yeah, and he got did he get booted or he left the yeah. Star Wars project? Yeah, he got Ryan they were Johnson. Like, no, no, no. They were like, no, your script is terrible. Get out of here. Okay. Well, then, yeah. Fuck that guy. Okay. Wait, did, I thought wasn't it Solo he got kicked off of? Wasn't that what it was? No, no that, that was, was the Miller and uh, Lord. Oh, that was Lord and Miller. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Or yeah, sorry, yeah, Lord yeah. and Miller. Yeah. If maybe they want to be called Miller and Lord sometimes, I don't know. We could switch it. Talking about Lord a little little later. Ooh, okay. is that that's what they call a teaser in the biz and of course if you want to tease <laughs> us with how much you appreciate the show you could rate it five stars uh we're looking for a push here uh you know eric's he wants the show to grow and he, i'm with him i would like the show to grow as well so we would love to get some more ratings five star reviews and apple Podcasts, of course spotify you all you gotta do is put your you could use this finger even you could use your pinky and put it on the star 
and hopefully give us five, not four. Because some reason, and I've explained this a million times, the four-star rating is like a, it's like shit. It's, I don't understand why this rating system exists the way it does. This has always baffled me because, you know, when you get a B in class, A, B, or C, or D, a B is like, okay, it's not terrible. That's cool. But for some reason, when I was an Uber driver, four out of five stars was total trash. You would be suspended as a driver <laughs> if you had a four-star rating. You would. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do that, yeah, too. Right. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, we're doing the show on Thursday because uh, Eric and Travis are very kind. They allowed me one extra day to watch the film. Uh, had, uh, one extra day. That was <laughs> it. That's one. all I get. And I, you know, you I mean, I could have like, I could have said I'd watched it and showed hours. up and did it yesterday, but I don't want to do that. I really wanted to watch this movie. And uh, we'll find out later if I was glad I did or not. Now, that's another teaser on what we call the Cinema Night Podcast. Uh, having said that, let's get into what we call quarantine viewing picks, where people will recommend or just flat out tell us what they've been watching. And Travis, as always, you're control the board. I watched a lot of newer movies this past week, but I got a couple of classics under my belt, too. Like, I'd never seen The Town That Dreaded Sundown from 1976. I could... It, it was an interesting... Like, so early in the slasher kind of genre, it would have been kind of cool if it had been even more of a trendsetter than it was if, if if slashers had had kind of a more thriller feel like this has more often. But it's, it was great. I really, really liked it. Another one that was great that, I mean, it makes me think of, Eric, how you'd never seen Die Hard before. I watched First Blood from 1982 for the I've first time. I've been talking about, I'm telling oh, you to watch this the for first time? Started the show. That's why I watched it. I finally watched it, yeah, for the wow. first time. For the first time, Holy I shit. I did like it. I thought the ending yeah. was anticlimactic, um, but but I, I I did like the rest of the movie. I thought that you know it handled some pretty interesting and uh, cool topics, like some cutting edge kind of topics. Mm -hmm. um, I I thought that Stallone was good for the most part, but I also mm -hmm. got the parodies. You know, I understood the parodies. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it was fucking. It was great. I uh, I, I, I get it. Yeah, I wanted to mention, I actually saw this movie for the first time a few years back, too. So I was I never saw it back in the day, and I was also impressed, and I was surprised about kind of what the movie represented and some of the themes it touched on, because <laughs> the legacy of Rambo for me, by the time I played, I think it was Rambo 3, or whatever the Rambo NES game was in, like, mm -hmm. 1988, it was like this... It was the jump-the-shark Rambo that became such a parody, as you mentioned, Travis, so it's such a different film than really everything else having to do with Rambo, in my opinion. And uh, I'm glad it exists. Brian Dennehy, David Caruso. Yeah. That's a good time. David Caruso, a young, young golden or redheaded Caruso as always. Um, I, I definitely would, I'm going to watch the other ones as well uh, in time, but <laughs> you know, my John Rambo was that 2018. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'll watch that one too. Fuck it. Um, I watched uh, Lamb from 2021. <laughs> yeah. 824 yeah. in horror. Did you watch it, Eric? Yeah. What'd you think? I mean, it was very premise based. It probably could have been done in a half an hour. It was kind of a short film that got dragged into a full full length feature. You're nodding, so you agree with me. What'd you think? Yeah, yeah, I felt kind of like a yeah, it could have been condensed to about thirty minutes. <laughs> Not a ton. I mean, some really, really. I mean, if I want, if I ever want to see beautiful shots in slow motion of sheep again, I know where to go. Yeah, because there's some just amazing footage of sheep throughout this movie, but it gets to feel a little bit like filler. And yeah, um, yeah I it, not a 
ton of I mean, I don't know. It was worth seeing, but I'm not gonna watch it again. <laughs> it's like what is it like the 35 minute mark where like I think I remember being like okay if you survive this the breakfast table scene you're either <laughs> either in or you're going to turn this off and be like what the fuck is happening in my life right now <laughs> this is this is like the lobster but it makes less sense ah. um, <laughs> I uh I also watched um Sonic the Hedgehog 2 Ooh. really enjoyable I, it is one of those movies I mean, Eric you complain about this a lot where it's just I don't understand what this is Sonic the Hedgehog you don't need to go over two hours in runtime uh, like the movie ends and I'm like well that was pretty good oh I'm sorry there's 25 more minutes to go here no 40 <laughs> minutes wow there's a lot of movie left here and it just kind of keeps going I'm like why would I I, I, I I'm glad I'm not a parent dragging my kid to this on a Saturday afternoon because like I the, the kid would get restless. I, I liked it, but it was just a little heavy-handed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Valet, of uh, a, a film that came out on Hulu. It's a remake of a French movie I'd never seen, but it stars a Eugenio Derbez, who I really liked in Coda as the music teacher. So I thought, why not? It's oh, him. that guy. Yeah, it's him and Samara Weaving, and kind of like a comedy of errors. Hey, Tim's talk. Uh, thanks for joining us. Some people call me Tim. Tim. Um, it was it was it was an it wasn't like you kind of think it's going to be this romantic comedy. But it, since it's adapted from a French film, it really takes you for some different loops. If you like that actor, uh, I really enjoyed him in this. It was it was a different it wasn't a, it wasn't a like it didn't knock it out of the park, but it was it was definitely worth catching. I, I enjoyed hmm. it. Um the uh, Apollo 11 from 2019. I've been meaning to watch this documentary for a long time. I'm watching it with my with two of my groups of students right now. I'm watching it with like my seniors and my freshmen, and the seniors are like wrapped in the in the class that I have with them. They're like loving, you know, watching this oh. gorgeous footage of the moon of of the Apollo 11 launch. And then the third. You guys have four key four K TVs at school? No, no, but it's still really, really great. Uh, <laughs> You know, remastering. They did a fantastic job, and then like the the thirteen year olds are just like literally bored to tears, like falling asleep. Like, what is this? I'm watching people at work. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> the card counter from 2021. Oh, oh, uh, said this is one of his favorite movies of last year. What do you think, mm. Eric? I, you I, I have yet to see it. I saw that it hit HBO Max. So yeah, I skipped over it a few times. I guess maybe I'll click it once. I fucking loved it. I mean, I loved oh, it. Man. Now there is a lot. Of, I mean, like I went to IMDb and it's just like, like the reviews are like one, one, three, one. <laughs> like people fucking hate it. They're like, what am I? What did I just watch? It's like watching paint dry. I'm bored. <laughs> uh, so it's not necessarily for everyone. But I found it to be. You know, it's been a while since we talked first reformed and, and Paul Schrader. Um, mm. I found it to be a a really fitting companion piece mm. to first reformed, and that first reformed explores like um the world especially america's approach to climate change or in inaction really and our, our guilt about that whereas this is dealing with america's foreign policy in iraq for the most part uh like you think it's going to be about <laughs> about poker but it's it takes you this different <laughs> ride and it is a, a really awesome exploration of uh of, of a character like this really great character study i and it was and it was slow but i loved it i thought it was really awesome. powerful cool. i really really liked it and um, I also, last but not least, I think that the, so that I would highly recommend if you're into like artsy kind of films, but I think a film that anybody would like, and it's really killing it on, killing it on Netflix right now is Hustle, the new Adam Sandler movie is oh, really, really good. It's really good. Now mm -hmm. it's 
chock-a-block full with uh, cameo appearances from people who were meaningless to me. I had no idea who any of these uh-huh. people were. Um, <laughs> Do you know who LeBron James is? Do you know who that is? Uh, apparently, he's like a king of some country. I don't know. <laughs> the king of basketball <laughs> land. I don't know. Um, Fucking hilarious. It, it, <laughs> he's not in it, for the record. Um, but the oh. guy that plays Kermit, uh, I think his name's Anthony Edwards, but not the guy from ER. Um, yeah, not that. Yeah, that I, I, I thought he did a really good job in the movie, and I fucking hated him. I hated him so much. Because one of the things I hate about, like, sports is is trash talk, and he does, like, a ton of trash talk. In the oh, movie. yeah. I just fucking hate trash talk so much. And that's one of the reasons. I mean, I just don't get into sports at all. But I, I, I really did like this quite a bit. And um, it, there, there wasn't anything re- revelatory about it. It was kind of some tried and true, um, you know, formula going on here. But it just really, it's some feel good stuff. Sandler is really good for the role. The other guy, I forget his name, but the, the guy that plays the main basketball player did great. And then, and then it, a lot of it was shot in my old neighborhood of Manny Young, Philadelphia. And it was really, oh. really cool to see like so much of my old, my old town there. And especially because like, there's like this grueling repetitive, like um, hill that they're making that, that Sandler, that no, no, no real spoiler here. He's making Sandler, Sandler's making him like jog up this hill over and over again. And it's Rocky fucking, part thrower. Yeah. And over <laughs> and over again, like the, and the guy that like, he's like in t- top shape, but he can't fucking do it. He can't run up it. I'm like, yes, that is the hill that I walked up every single fucking day when I got <laughs> off work for five, no, six years, seven years. <laughs> I think um, that thing's hell. Yeah. You, you walked it, you know, and it's uh, so it was really funny to, to see that, but, but that aside, it was truly a really enjoyable movie. And I, and I mm. like hustle quite a bit. It, it makes you like, just not want to go downtown. Cause why would I want to walk back up? I mean, the staircase is brutal. <laughs> it's just, but uh, you know, it, it's a beautiful town. You're right. I didn't it know. Is. That it was shot in Maniac. I knew that it was a Philadelphia-based film, so that's fun. There's other uh, places I was... to do Passyunk and stuff. I mean, he takes the he takes him to Pats at one point. I'm like, you wouldn't fucking take him to Pats. Who are you kidding? Oh here? God, why, <laughs> why, why do they have to continue to push this bullshit agenda with Pats and those places? Fuck that. The, yeah. Everybody, okay, yeah, I'm with Delis- you. But... They're right by Delisandros. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I gotta tell you. I don't like trash talk either. I've never been into it, and I love sports, but uh, trash talking is never like the fun part for me. But um, it's certainly a part of uh, the culture, especially with basketball. Trash talk is huge. So uh, I'm going to watch that movie for sure. I want to watch Hustle. I'm excited about it, and I'm glad to hear that uh, it's solid. I I heard it was just going to be your kind of typical sports movie, but yet it was done well enough where it's enjoyable. So that's That's basically what what you said is what I figured. Yeah, it's pretty typical, but it's just well done. Well, that's good times. Eric, uh, let's turn it over to you. You did give us a little teaser about Lord. <laughs> I had the wrong. It was Miller, but I had the wrong Miller, as it turns out. Oh. Uh, Tim uh, Miller? <laughs> no, I'll get into that a little later. Uh, I did want to open up by talking about um, the fact that I watched Tall Tale, the incredible uh, adventure of Pecos Bill from <laughs> 1995. Pecos? Bacon? Pecos. Yeah, Pecos Bill, starring oh, Patrick Bill. Swayze as Pecos Bill. Like, he wrangles that tornado, remember? Vaguely. Mid-90s, like, thought, they're trying to... Yeah, I remember the previews. Yeah, like, um, <laughs> it's so weird. Like, when, when like, uh, like DC properties are dormant and, like, Marvel's not here yet, like, what are they going to, like, excite kids about in, like, the mid-90s? Like, I, how about John Henry and <laughs> Pecos Bill? <laughs> like, it's so dull. It's like I can't imagine a kid like caring about any of these characters. Like Paul Bunyan, like 
You're going to make him exciting? No, no. It's just so dull. Shot beautifully by Janusz Gaminski, but like so dull. It's like, how, why is this a movie? <laughs> yeah, I didn't care for Pecos, Bill. Uh, Little Monsters? It's been Probably. a hell of a long time. The original, we're talking. The, the <laughs> yeah. Howie Mandel version, yes. Howie Mandel. Oh, Jesus. Howie Mandel. I don't know when the last time you saw this is. It's so cringeworthy. I had to turn away from the screen several times. Anytime Howie Mandel appeared, I was like biting my hand. Like it was, it's, <laughs> it's like, what is this? It's so cringe. Like the entire film looks like it was shot in like someone's garage. It's like so piss poor production values. Not good. Like not good. When all was said and done, it's just not good. Uh, not yeah. Really? Come on. Yeah, Frank, actually, I did like that part. The boy, yeah, Frank yeah. Whaley, like his weird face. That was cool. Everything yeah. else, cringeworthy, terrible. Looks like it was shot in somebody's fucking basement. <laughs> uh, yeah, Thrashin', 1986, dude. I teased this on Instagram. I used to watch Thrashin', starring Josh Brolin and Robert Rustler, like every day in the 80s, like in early 90s. But I haven't seen it in like 30 years. Like this is a skateboarding movie came out. When everyone else is watching Rad with Bart Taylor and Crew Jones, I was watching Thrashing, starring Josh Brolin and loving it. It's still really stupid, like really dumb. Like it's like the same plot as like Karate Kid, like guy like moves to LA from like the Midwest and like gets bullied. It's got to deal with it. But fun, but fun if you're into skateboarding. Um, yeah. No Way Out. Kevin Costner, Gene Hackman, not good. Not yeah. good, man. What? It's not <laughs> not good? good. Like, Sean Young, like, they were pushing Sean Young so hard. So hard. Like, Sean Young, like, they this big star, right? Like, what? what is this? Like, just well, a this nothing a big actress. Back in the day. Why? I don't know. I don't, I wa- it's that bad? I watched a, uh, a, a Gene Hackman movie that wasn't even worth mentioning. I watched a movie called uh, Company Business with... with uh. Uh, Mikhail Baryshnikov, and it was like, yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I guess they can't all be winners, dude. Like, mm. there was Gene Hackman. God love him. Side adventure with the best performances of all time. But like, it's so many where he's just like the powerful guy. He's like, ah, oh, he's there. Like, who cares? Yeah. No way so, out. Uh, Terrible. Oh, you, it's you, a Roger you, Donaldson you, movie. I mean, it's Roger off. Donaldson I'm did. telling you, it's so bad. Even Costner couldn't help. Uh, Looks great in his naval outfit. Looks so g- gorgeous. But the movie is awful. Okay, Terribly directed by revisit. Roger Donaldson. Oh, come yeah. on. He did Cocktail. He did The Bounty. Come on. This yeah, guy I know. Knows what he's doing. But this was a huge misfire. Um, <laughs> I got to tell you, big surprise of the week for me was Chris Miller. Now, there's a big difference here. Christopher Miller is of Lord and Miller fame, but Chris Miller did like the. Sh- I'm back. I hate all the Shrek movies. Like I, 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 I they're not funny to me. But I, I put, I push play on pushing puss in boots, <laughs> like the cats, like starring Antonio Banderas. Loved it, yeah. loved it, loved it. Can't wait for the sequel. Like so smartly written, beautiful animation, great voice cast. Zach Galifianakis, Salma Hayek, Antonio Banderas is laugh out loud hilarious as a, as a character. I've been su- this surprised from an animated film since maybe Moana. It's been a hell of a long time. Loved Puss in Boots. I remember I was with my ex-girlfriend's kids, and like we were like all on vacation, and like someone put that on just to like kill time, like like let's just distract the kids, like so we can do the adult stuff. And I'm like, yeah, 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 adult stuff. And I'm like going, <laughs> re- keep stuff, going back. Yeah, to keep the it movie. down, kids. Shut the fuck up. I'm trying to watch this. <laughs> right. It's funny. Yeah, that's it, man. Oh, that's it. Oh wow. 
Not sad. I feel like uh, smartly written would be a stretch because you know the no, Shrek movies are just filled jokes. with farts. That yeah, Smart that's just joke. like farts and like 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 Matrix like jokes and shit. This is straight up funny. Great writing. Oh, okay then. Well, that's good news. Uh, so I watched a, a couple of Velveeta shells and cheese commercials. Okay, and, uh, how, how were they? <laughs> Liquid gold. One of, one of them was a. One of them was the four tops. They basically oh. sell out for a Velveeta sells and cheese oh, yeah. commercial in 1991. It's very sad. So um, mm-hmm. that kind of bummed me out. But uh, I hope they made a good uh, amount of money from that. But as far as films, delicious. Um, eh, you know, there's a few films that I don't want to mention because. I might bring them up, which sucks. So, and I keep finding myself doing that lately. You do so you do that a lot. Yeah, I don't know uh, what to say about that. I did watch Back to School. I'm probably not going to bring that one in. Love it. And uh, I love Remember, Back to School. You're a melon. <laughs> you that's right. It's my buddy from uh, Christine, Mr. Arnie Cunningham, doing his yeah. thing. So. Uh, <laughs> those are the two movies I remember that guy from. Uh, Keith Gordon, I think his Keith name Gordon, is. Yeah, yeah, Keith Gordon, director now. now. Oh, is he? Yeah, good for yeah. him. Uh, actually, the movie we're about to do is directed by a Gordon. Different Gordon, Seth Gordon. Okay, so many Gordons. Gordons. How many? How many Gordons? Uh, Gort- Gordon's fish is that Gorton or Gordon? Gordon. That's Gorton. Yeah, Gordon. Gordon's okay. fisherman with the outfit okay, yeah. on, Gort- yellow Gorton. pants. Gorton. Yeah. Uh, I watched. Uh, I watched Cutthroat Island. I never actually saw it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not good. It's not as bad as like you know. This is common movies sometimes that are bombs. Pluto Nash, it's a pretty bad yeah. movie. Um, Cutthroat Island, it's bad, but it's not like Hall of Fame <laughs> bad. In my opinion, it just mm-hmm. it just maybe wasn't the right time and it was the wrong movie. And there were also a lot of problems with this film. I, I read about later. I became interested in that. So mm. uh, Gina Davis married the director, then they got divorced mm. a few years later. Maybe that's why. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what the hell, Gina Davis? Where did she go? What I archery? Mean, she, she went. She got I saw archery. that. I, yeah, yeah, she legitimately tried to be an archery. Olympic archer. She was an Olympic archer. She she went to the Olympics. She huh? did. I thought she didn't qualify. Wow. Well, I okay. She cool. did. I could be wrong. I thought that she did. Either I, way, I mean, that's still pretty pro. If you're if you're she going just out picked pretty. it. Yeah, the story I read about this was she just picked it up and she finished twenty fourth, which wasn't quite enough to get on the team, but still was amazing because she just kind of picked it up. So yeah, it's awesome. She's a genius too. I guess she is. She's in Mensa, so you know. Now I don't like Man. to tell. If I was in Mensa, would I tell people? I fucking wouldn't I tell anybody. I wouldn't join Mensa. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> IQ exactly. tests are bullshit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so says <Yeah>. Alfred Binet. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who's Alfred Binet? The guy that invented the IQ test. Oh yeah, the <laughs> Binet. Uh, what's his face? There's Stan- Stanford Binet. He's the Binet. Stanford Binet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's all bullshit. I completely agree. All bullshit. But yes, I wouldn't. Don't bullshit me. So uh, yeah, that was a movie that like, if you never saw Cutthroat Island, you're like, you know what? Maybe I'll go check it out for the first time. I could see why you'd want to do that. And it might be a nice fun time with the family. You know, I, mean, I don't know. Might. Might. Um, might, might. I watch Cobra. I always love oh, Cobra. Yeah. New so world good. out there, pig. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> just, so I used to say that all the time. Amazing. Come on, pig. Amazing. I love that movie. It's so stupidly, perfectly 80s in every way possible. This is a really Stallone-friendly episode. Yeah, it really is. We're going to <laughs> in specifically 80s Stallone, for sure. The best um, the be- Oh, of course, of course. Uh, yeah, and I can't mention that one. I can't mention yeah, that one. It's a secret. Secret movies. Uh, well, I'd like to. These movies are like- secret. 
I would like to talk about it with you, but apparently, you know, the Not rule right is now. you don't break up a movie prior if we're going to do it later. I kind of feel like that's an unwritten rule on the show. I mean, I brought uh, up Time Bandits like two episodes before it was my turn. And that's partly why I chose Time Bandits because I kind of randomly oh. brought it up on the show. And I was like, hmm. oh, yeah, Time Bandits. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to oh. consider that notion. You consider that uh, notion. I went back and watched Day as a Future Past. And, you know, this is what got a lot of love when it came mm-hmm. out. And I think it's. People look back fondly at it quite well. How's it hold up? I've been meaning to revisit. Yeah, it's okay. It's just the way the series fell apart. And then you think about Brian Singer, too. It kind of bums you out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to ignore that fact for me. And I'm like, oh, man. I like the concept, though. They did take a risk. Or maybe they were trying to retcon an entire thing in a film. That's also debatable. So in the end, it's got a great cast. A lot of people. I mean, Fastbender as Magneto was great casting to me. I thought it was outstanding. Yeah. And I feel really bad for him because he came back for the fourth movie. And this is something I want to bring up. Was uh, This guy, Simon Kinberg, mm-hmm. got this mm-hmm. opportunity. He had never directed, but he had been a part of the writing of Last Stand back in 06, which was Pan. Yeah. yeah. So he gets... Yeah. So he's, he's part of this world of people. Uh, Akiva Goldsman is another guy. Mm-hmm. There's these writer producer people who have their hands all over decades worth of films and properties that you love, that we love that have done a, a really poor job again and again. And Kinberg was given his directorial debut to do dark Phoenix. And he was so excited about it. And apparently they all loved him. Fastbender and uh, everybody else in that cast loved him so much that they all came back for the fourth movie because of Simon Kinberg. And then it, it still ended up being shit. And it's just, <laughs> shit, yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel bad for the guy, I guess, a little way, because I'm sure he cared enough. But studio interference and uh, properties that that magnitude have so many hands on them. It's really, really hard to even get your vision correct. You know, he also wrote Jumper. So he doesn't have a, oh. a really great background. I never I mean, saw that, Jumper. That's, that's one of the worst movies that I've ever seen in my life. And I, and I say, oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's really bad. And I say this as a as a Hayden Christensen fan, but this oh. is a movie that just oh. abruptly it's another stops. dagger. <laughs> um, it's, it's, yeah, he also, uh, the Fantastic Four, the one in 2015, that was yes! him who wrote that yes! too. Yeah. Uh, he wrote X-Men Apocalypse. Oh. Yeah. Like yeah. this guy... Someone, someone, make him stop making movies. He's got ten <laughs> up, ten upcoming projects. <laughs> That's my this is why I bring it up. I mean, get these fucking people out of here, please. Yeah, honestly, there's got to well, be a, you know, in the real world, you get fired. It's like, you know what? You're not coming back here. You just didn't perform. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, hey, you wasted billions. Let's give more billions <laughs> to you. Send him to a different <laughs> franchise. Don't fuck it up. Yeah, I'm like, is he in Scientology or something? Does he have, like, shit on everybody and they just keep forcing him? Fuck, He's a, Secretly, he looks like a nice guy. He's a blackmailer extreme. I don't know. It's very allegedly. allegedly. Yeah. Of course, this is all allegedly, but very bizarre. Oh, Anyways, you know, yeah, that's something I keep thinking about. In fact, I was thinking about a few ideas for the Patreon about some other ideas like that. Like, why is this fucking guy still involved in movies? That might be something yeah. I might uh, might yeah. work on. So, yeah, let, Let's yeah. dox them and, like, put their addresses up and... Uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Let's take it all the way, of course. Make sure that nothing is left for them. Not even a home. (laughs) Get their family. Over X-Men Apocalypse. Get at his son. You you know, you joke, but some people do take things that seriously. 
That's just really, really sad. I mean, like, I'm hating Obi-Wan, the TV show right now, but I can't imagine, like, chasing down the woman playing Rava on the internet and being (laughs) mean to her. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, these people alone, you don't have to watch it. (laughs) Like, what happened to Rose with uh, Tran? Uh, That was awful in Last Jedi. Terrible. So. But it does happen. But we're not going to do that. We're good people here. We like to, at least we like to think we're reasonable, well-mannered people to a certain extent. You get a few drinks in us, things could change. But I mean, that could happen to anybody, really. So I don't think that makes us special. But either way, that's quarantine view picks. Of course, uh, email the show if you prefer. It's called Cinema Nine Pod at protonmail.com. And I haven't had an email in a while, guys. I feel like again we have no emails to offer. I'm sorry. All right, well. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sound that bummed. Okay, that's good. Yeah, no emails, but if you want to email the show, send them in iPodProtonMail.com. Having said all that, of course, the Patreon we mentioned, not going to mention it again, but it does exist. And uh, if you like us and want to take it to another level, it starts as low as five. $5. Okay, inflation's up, guys. Sorry, five. Um, <laughs> it's tough out there. All right, well, Eric, it's time to get into your selection for this week. It's called The King of Kong. A Fistful of Quarters, directed by Seth Gordon and starring luminaries such as Billy Mitchell, uh, Steve (laughs) Weeby, not Weeb, Weeb. uh, of course, and uh, it's a movie about... Oh, Brian Cuh. The uh, game referee legend himself, uh, Walter Day. I can speak from my own experience. I wanted to be a hero. I wanted to be the center of attention. I wanted the glory. I wanted the fame. I wanted the pretty girls coming up and say, hi. I see that you're good at centipede. I, right? I'm acting like I knew all these I, people coming in. <laughs> never heard of any of them. <laughs> no, no, definitely never, never heard of. It. Now, Travis, last week uh, you said you had never seen this, so you watched it for the first time. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. I'd never seen it. I'm thinking. Yeah, Eric, I do recall the night we watched Wicker Man together. I, I, right. I, I left. I had I, I watched Wicker Man with you guys, and then I went home. Damn. And, uh, the original or a remake? Oh, the original. The original. Oh, okay. Fantastic movie. Well, you love Nick um, Cage, so I don't think it'd be a ridiculous question. This was this was before the remake even had come out. Um, this was oh. a ways back. This was when King of Kong was new, and you know I'd heard of King of Kong since then. You know, fifteen years of hearing about this this movie. So finally, watch it on the YouTube. That was nice to watch it for free. Damn! Ah! I wish I would have known that. Oh, I ah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, you gotta start yeah. announcing that when we when we pick up yeah. movies. I think we should say where they're streaming. <laughs> You know, usually you, you're pretty good at that. Uh, I got to do a better job of that. This one, I just, I looked, I went and Googled, hey, where is this streaming? And everyone they told me it was a lie, so I ended up renting it. But <laughs> yeah, I hope I, the money went to them, hopefully. So. I was literally like a click away from from clicking the, you know, the, the rent button. And I was like, well, it's mm-hmm. old. I'll check YouTube. Sure. <laughs> but here's the question, though. So is it actually shot all on DV or is that just YouTube? Because it looked like crap to me. It... Not crap. Yeah, it, looked, I mean, it, looked, it looked like 2006 home movie. And that's what it looked yeah, like. Yeah, okay. pretty All much. Right. A lot of it did. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Eric, you yeah. selected this film. Take us back to the first that first night at the apartment. Yeah. Was that the first um, time? Yeah. I, I was hearing a lot about this on like early movie site, like or early movie internet sites. Like, Ain't It Cool was always talking about it. And it premiered on Sundance, so like video game documentary is getting this type of prestige. I'm I'm there, uh, but I, I waited for it to hit DVD. I rented it at uh, uh, Entertainment Tonight of Whitmore Lake, Michigan. Um, and I <laughs> not, yeah, not family video. There. No, not family video. Wow. And uh, 
I watched the film. What about that other shithole down the street? <laughs> wasn't that family video? That was family was video. it? Is that family video the one on the corner there by the little store, the convenience yeah. store? Yeah, yeah. That, oh, that's sure. where I got it. But that, I think that was Entertainment Tonight, and uh, yeah, I rented the film, and I've seen it a few times since. But uh, it's just one of those that I keep sticking with me because it's uh, focuses on a very specific subculture. And those types of are, are always a lot of fun when it comes to documentary. So, uh, yeah, I was excited to take another look. It's been a while. Yeah, I never saw this. I do recall a bit of a hub of a blue about it uh, back in this time period, but I never saw it. So this is my first viewing as well. Me and Travis, two timers, just like, uh, was that the case last week when me and Eric were both first timers? Yeah, yeah, that's right. We're hitting on a trend here. Although I lied when I said I'd never heard of any of them because I had heard of Billy Mitchell because I remember like in 2018 or so when the controversy broke that he had, yeah. he was accused of cheating and had some oh, titles he, stripped from him that now he's sued of them and Guinness like... Oh, I thought you were talking his, about he was in the Jeff Branstrom lookalike contest. Oh, I was going to make that <laughs> joke. You beat me to it. Yeah, yeah I almost texted you guys. He looks a whole yeah. hell of a lot like our host almost Eric's exactly. brother. I mean, very almost exactly very right similar. Now. He look he looks the like long haired version of him. Yes, the, cave, the caveman smaller version because Jeff's yeah. like a big dude. Um, he's like the <laughs> scrawnier caveman version with a more pronounced brow. <laughs> yeah that's pretty accurate i think you nailed it right there but it definitely crossed my mind like 15 times and especially yeah. some of the shots were like tight on him like oh hey even the way he shots. talks like the like the, the not like what he says but like the way <laughs> like his delivery is even reminiscent of jeff brandstrom it was really funny <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a negative at all i mean it's just no. a re it's just a comparison so just a reality um, i don't I mean, have like any the, the dude is yeah, just like hey, shit. cut from the same cloth in some way it's just an observation that was yeah. undeniable to me. So I mean, I'm glad you felt the same this, way. So there you go. Uh, King of Con, a fistful of quarters on IMDb. I don't know the score. I'm going to take a guess myself. Uh, I, seven? I mean, like, is it because it's a documentary? It just gets more prestige points, too, which is strange sometimes. That does happen, regardless of what the documentary is. So I'm going to say this is a 7-2. I'm going to say that the Kings of Overstatement is uh, rated (laughs) 6.5. That that was my little name for it. These guys got a lot to say about how important their work is. (laughs) Uh, I'm pretty sure everyone who's seen this uh, has... Good things to say. I'm going to say a 7.5. Five. All right. Wow. Actual retail price is a fucking eight. Whoa. Oh, oh my God. Wow. That's, okay. that's one of the highest ranked that we've okay. done. An eight. That's it really is. Nice. And we were all, I mean, Eric was somewhat close, but yeah, we were, we we're off. An eight. Oh, yeah. I'm always off though. I'm terrible status. with this. That's not true. You nailed the last one. I thought well, like true. we were both that's within one. So I guess I have some moment. credit. I like to focus on the negative parts of my life and ignore everything that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's worked for me for so long. I agree. I just keep on doing it. Right uh, so, yeah, 8.0 is outstanding. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, I mean, it's a fucking 97 from the critics. 97 and a 93 from the audience. This movie is just lauded, apparently, by everyone. And the sequel is coming, supposedly. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, there's, really? A, there's a supposedly Seth Gordon is working on a like a scripted sequel to this. 
but we have to tell our story about our our friend and patron chad gibbons and his experience uh with this Um, yeah we definitely should get to that uh eventually i think think. why not lead off with this all right yeah let's hear it i'm not even familiar with what the fuck you're talking about i don't think so well, if you've never seen the film, like this, this may be awkward because like we haven't really unpacked the characters and like the personalities. Well, if you've never seen stuff. the film, you shouldn't be listening because, as always, yeah, you would not be spoiler. watching. Yeah, this is yeah. a spoiler-heavy <laughs> review. Like we always do. Another thing we should yeah. probably do more often is let people know that yes, we're going to spoil the fuck out of this film. Don't sit down and think that we're going to talk about this movie for forty minutes and not <laughs> divulge <laughs> specific details. But it's happened. Each episode is titled what the movie is. So, I mean, what are we going to do? Not talk about the movie? I mean, come on, people. <laughs> I, we want to give. I assume that our listeners and viewers—they're smart people. They know what's I, up. I assume that too. But you know, I mean, I've heard things. Oh. It's the spoilers. <laughs> yes, yes, there is. <laughs> I would love to hear this story. I think it's apropos. It's a hell of a story. Yeah. Well, of course, the film centers on the rivalry between, you know, Steve Wiebe and Billy Mitchell, like the arcade champion of the world. And the, the, I guess this story took place a few years ago, according to Chad. Me and Chad would always talk about this movie all the time. I'm so surprised I never heard this true encounter before. Um but yeah, here, you know, Chad, you remember from our um, American History X episode, he is a, a listener, a fan of the program. And um, what our patron. So what, yeah, our single patron. Thanks, so uh, get a load of this, man. So Chad says, I was in Indianapolis a few years back and I saw this old guy who looked just like Walter Day, the referee from the movie. Sure enough, when I asked him who he was, it turned out to be him. He was overjoyed to be recognized, and after a brief chat, he told us he wanted us to meet someone. We followed him across the street, where he introduced us to Billy Mitchell and his wife. Billy said that he was in town for the premiere of his new musical, Arcade Fire, The Redemption of Billy Mitchell. Now, this is a stage play. He says this is all true, by the way. He talked about how he was wronged by everyone and that this musical will set the record straight. It sounded too bizarre to be real, says Chad. So we told him we'd love to see it, as we were big enough fans of his. And this part wasn't true. I only knew him from the the villain of the movie, he says. Uh, but we bought tickets, and when we showed up to the theater that evening, <laughs> the entire building was completely empty. The manager approached us and asked us if we were Chad and Crystal. We said that we were, and the manager said that he didn't know how to explain this, but we were literally the only people who bought tickets. I told him that we certainly wanted to watch the musical, and we'd sit right up front and be the best audience members we could be. So we sat down wondering what would happen. The lights came on, and the real Billy Mitchell was standing on stage who began to introduce the show to the audience, except no one was there but us. <laughs> After this, Billy and his wife sat down next to us. Walter Day sat directly behind us, and the musical began. What followed was the most surreal two hours of my life, he goes on. We watched the actor dressed as Billy Mitchell sing songs about Donkey Kong and hot sauce and about how he was wronged in the documentary and that he was unfairly treated by everyone. In the musical, Steve Wiebe was portrayed as the evil villain. In fact, Steve Wiebe's wife was going to leave him because she loved Billy and didn't like that he played Donkey Kong so much. <laughs> Throughout the entire musical, we couldn't stop laughing at the absurdity of the whole situation. We tried to hide our incredulity from Billy and Walter by cheering and booing loudly. 
uh, whenever it seemed appropriate. And after the climax of the musical, in which Donkey Kong machine at Fun Spot comes to life and calls Billy, quote unquote, his child, <laughs> Billy seemed very grateful to us but was perplexed as to why no one showed up to the premiere. I told him I couldn't fathom it. Then he asked us if he wanted to buy any hot sauce. I said sure, but didn't have any cash on me, so that part didn't work out. Crystal and I laugh about it to this day, but unfortunately no one we tell the story to understands any of it. So I thought I'd at least share it here. Thanks for listening. Wow. Incredible true encounter. He even included pictures of of the yeah. real Billy Mitchell with the <laughs> with the guy from the, that played him, and I just checked that, that there really is this play. This exists. It exists. This happened. This happened, and Chad is someone I would vouch for for anything he'd say. Oh yeah, it. oh of course, empty the most house guy I can think of. Yeah. Wow. Bizarre. So funny. what a story, Wild. man! That Wild. was like the highlight of this entire podcast Wild. to this day. <laughs> what a story! So apropos for a movie, we'll never have topped that one. I don't think. Sure. We should have had him on just to tell the story. Good God. Like, yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah, wow. So funny. I got I, the I, gist I, of it, though. That was quite well told, Eric. Good job. And he <laughs> relayed the story quite clearly. Wow. Okay, well, let's do on that for a minute. And, of course, take a look at some of the uh, critical reviews, which, of course, 97% from the yeah. critics. It's going to be tough to find a negative review isn't it well here's one. Oh, and i love ann horn today from the washington post I, i'm not surprised though that she's the one who's writing a negative review because i would imagine that ann horn today has never even watched someone play a video game <laughs> let alone played a video game uh, is there anything more tiresome than watching people play video games oh my god i nailed it and i didn't even look at it yet i swear to god that's mm -hmm. funny and I don't even believe in God, but so whatever you would think I swear to. Uh, mm. Seth Gordon's documentary, The King of Khan, A Fistful of Quarters, answers that question with a decisive yes, watching a movie about people playing video games. Wow. Okay, well, she doesn't like it. But there's so many red, juicy tomatoes for this one, including Bill Goody Coots. <laughs> Wonderful, hilarious documentary, period. Okay. Oh, all right, well, that's... That was a uh, Dessen-esque in its that was uh, concision. <laughs> yeah, Goody has got a little Dessen in him. Who would have thought? That's fun. Uh, looking for Dessen Thompson. Uh, always searching for Dessen. Uh, Richard Roper said, one of the most fascinating films of the year, and it deserves an Oscar nomination for Best Documentary. Wow. 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 It didn't get that, did it? No. Holy cow. His buddy Roger Ebert was still around then. A documentary that is beyond strange. Three out of four stars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, he also said, who would have guessed that a documentary about gamers obsessed with scoring a world record at Donkey Kong would not only be roaringly funny, but serve as a metaphor for the decline of Western civilization. Oh, oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I feel like. Oh, I'm sorry. That was Peter you know, Travers. I miss. I misread it. It was Peter Travers. Travers. Oh, that's fine. That's okay. It's still, it's a, uh, that doesn't surprise me either because I feel like a lot of, Critics and video games, usually critics are older people, at least at this time period, I would think, yeah, and yeah. just a disconnect from the video game realm, even though this was a retro video game focus for the film. Right. Uh, good old Wesley Morris said, a hilarious and moving study of the obsessive competition between the all-time scoring leader on Donkey Kong, an odd Floridian, and a father of two who gets sucked into a world of mind-blowing <laughs> passive aggressiveness. Mm. <laughs> Uh, no good. Uh, no, Destin Thompson that I can find, guys. I'm so sorry. 
We got we had Billy uh, Goody Coon, so that that was nice. Yeah, and he basically filled in for Dustin. So, uh, all right. So, <laughs> oh, um, what direction are we go in next? Uh, I mean, the characters of this film, uh, the fact that this film existed. I want to ask you guys this because it was on top of my mind. Was this film done? in the expectation of the final product, or was it just pure luck that they had all this footage put together? Uh, do you know the story behind it, Eric? Yeah. They filmed it as uh, just a straight uh, kind of look at gamers in general. So that's why we have Doris, the Qbert player, uh, in uh, oh, some yeah. of these other characters, because they filmed it as just something like, Chasing Ghosts, which is another kind of look at retro games, where they were going to focus on many different players and different video games and the best people at those, and they just kind of, they kind of got lucky along along the way while while doing all of the filming and uh, the documentary. They kind wow. of they kind of found this rivalry and they just kind of decided to turn this into the direction of the film. They turned the narrative into this kind of rivalry. Wow. I, yeah, I got the different, <laughs> I got a different feeling watching it. It, it made me think of, oh, I'm forgetting the name of that Brazilian documentary from last year that we're like the old man went into the old folks home and it was mm -hmm. like, it was all very contrived. And mm -hmm. it, cause like, to me, it all seemed like scripted. I just had a hard time. It did not feel, um, yeah. It didn't feel spontaneous to me. It felt it felt like these were people playing characters. And I think that that really is. Hey, Daniel, Dan Plummer coming back. Hey, Daddy. Um, I think that um, in a lot of ways, Billy Mitchell is a character like that he's projecting a character that like mm -hmm. he's probably not always acting like that when the cameras are off. Uh, but oh, yeah, I'm surprised let's to hear talk that. about that fucking guy. Then let's talk about that fucking. <laughs> I mean, what's up with this? That's the you're right. Some, when he walks in behind Steve Weeby. When he Ugh. shows up in yeah. the fun spot for finally. that, uh, the yeah, he finally shows up. Everyone's waiting for him to show up that weekend. Steve Weeby flew all the way down there from fucking Washington, state of Washington, longest trips in the country. And then he just kind of <laughs> eerily is not identifying him. He's not even acknowledging that Steve's there playing the game. He just kind of lurks behind and keeps moving with his wife while he's, he's trying to show her things and pointing the whole time. He's just trying to make this presence felt. It's fucking bizarre, man. And, and that's where like the documentary feel versus what was contrived and who's playing a character and what is made up and what we're seeing as an actual spontaneous, natural thing happening in this film is it's complex and it's confusing. Like, did they go back and take video of Steve Weeby after the fact, or did they latch onto him at a certain point? Like, oh, this guy's good, and so we should go get some B-roll of him at home playing the game, etc. I, I have a lot of questions about how the film came about, despite what you just told me, Eric. Yeah, you uh, you're circling around the truth, um, and then when we, you know, this is the first documentary we're doing on we're, we're doing on the show, so it's difficult to attack it in a lot of ways because you have the whole. Um, lying by omission theory when it comes to documentaries sure. because there's there's so much of this that is staged, but there's a lot of it that that is absolutely real. But there's also just stuff they're not showing you, like the fact that Steve and Billy are were very friendly, and this is like that's like not the first time they saw each what? other at that tournament. Like they oh, were really? hanging out in friendly 
And that just happens to have been like a couple of days, like 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 later that night when he came back, and it's like, oh hey Billy, That's and it bogus. seems like he's ignoring him, but like, oh but really he yeah they've seen each so other. They really did, did have to kind of frame That's a story and make the documentary a little interesting. Yeah, but that is just there's a lot of that, and like all the stuff when like he's calling him, like hey I'm coming here, are you going to be there? He did that already, and they had to like go back and like you know reenact some of this stuff just and, I, and that comes across to me like it felt like that to me it didn't it did not feel like an authentic documentary to me um which i I'm take not... it seriously documentary means truth to me that's how i see a documentary <laughs> and, th- and this doesn't play like that i mean it plays like a like so it plays like fucking the mighty wind it plays i mean it plays yeah, a mockumentary it plays exactly. like it plays like a christopher guest movie and, and as and, and i kept on thinking of christopher guest movies as i was watching this in particular because when i watch a christopher guest movie it's i don't feel bad to laugh at the characters because that's the intention with <laughs> yeah. these people I'm, I'm like making notes like um, what, what is it? I got one note that um, Brian Koo is pathetic. <laughs> I don't know this man. He could be a very good person. He could be a great person, but he was like, this is not a good light for you, sir. Or, or, or I mean, like, <laughs> <it's> just, <laughs> or I mean, like, I don't know. What, like, I, they're just like, I feel like it's like they're pitiable. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like a he's the lackey for Billy, and you look at him and you're like, dude, is this guy serious of what he's doing right now? We love you too, Dan. I mean, he's on the phone and like those phone calls that were the payphone, oh where the camera's far away while he's oh, on the payphone, and it sounds like you're getting the direct audio of that call. Um, it's what the fuck is going on there? Like, is that reenact? Like, I, I actually believe that he would have been like that. I believe yeah. that the cult of Billy Mitchell seemed like it was quite real to me. Um, yeah. because of the way Walter acted. Is Walter Day? That's the other thing, too. Is he really a part of it, or did he start to feel bad about how Steve was being treated <laughs> later on because he was such a part of the cult of Billy Mitchell, even though he's supposed to be an independent referee? I got a lot of questions about that. There, there, <laughs> there's so much if you go down the rabbit hole. like There's the whole thing about, like, the mod, like the uh, possible mod board being in Steve's machine, and then like that dorky yep. dude with the glasses getting all pissed. But that Schilt, was like the dorky yeah. dude, not not Schilt, but it it was literally oh. that. Remember that scene where the guy had to like sit there and watch the tapes all day long, and he's like, I oh, don't know, this this, this seems guy. fishy. That yeah. was literally his board that he <laughs> sold to Schiltz, and then Schiltz gave to like Weeby. Like so it's more all bullshit, interconnected, huh? and it's uh, there's. And that, I mean, that is what's interesting, like the uh, sycophantic nature of all these people that are relying on other people for like their own uh, um, uh, um, success and, and all this sort of stuff. It's it's interesting. But yeah, when you dig into it, it, there is a lot of toying around with the story, but that doesn't make it unenjoyable. I mean, you don't have to read any, any, in, into any of this stuff. No, you don't. I mean, and, you know, you can take it at face value and just be entertained by it. But I agree mm-hmm. with Mike that when I when I see documentary, my expectations are shifted. I expect mm-hmm. uh, a semblance or an attempt towards not objectivity, but you know, mm-hmm. just truth at least, mm-hmm. or some yeah. or a no truth. acting, no right. act, or right. if they're acting, it's obvious because you know they're a nefarious person. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and like they're me, covering the, the, something up. This this like this highlights Peter Traverser's comment Traverser's comment <laughs> about the decline of Western civilization. Like what these people do with the teensiest bit of what they think is celebrity, with just the the most marginal sliver of what they believe to be importance or power. It's just 
like it makes me like it, it's not I had like I did not laugh at this movie that much. I'm just like these people make me fucking ill. Damn. I didn't laugh at all. Like uh, I watched though with like my mouth agape a lot, but I didn't really <laughs> laugh that much because I, I thought it to be super entertaining. Like I I I didn't want the movie to end, and I wanted more and more and more, and I kept wanting to find out what was happening. But I I agree with Travis. I wasn't like because like Billy Mitchell's like this. Yeah. I'm all about myself watching this film too, and frankly, sometimes I laugh a lot less. There's just something about being yeah. with other people. If something's funny, I'll probably laugh a bit more because it's a communal experience. But sure. I'm sitting there like, "What the fuck is?" You know, like I'm, I'm having a lot of "What the fucks" in my mind with this guy and his hot sauce, mm-hmm. and you know, his endless <laughs> attempt to be so obstinate, which seems real to me. And if I find out that that's like a hoax now, that I got to tell you, that really bums me out. If like there's more connections between him and Steve and their friends that bothers me now and it kind of ruins a fair amount of the yeah. film for me I think yeah it right does now suck as to, I'm comfortable it does suck to hear that um but I mean yeah. you, there there was a, a legitimate rivalry I mean there was some playfulness there uh on the director's part but yeah it it was a legit rivalry I mean fuck one other thing they didn't say is that literally there was this another there there was another guy who just beat Billy's Mitchell Billy's record from eighty two before ah! Steve be, beat it like they just were just tossed that off. out oh, so yeah. so Steve essentially beat this other guy's record that he got after eighty two like all that sort of stuff oh, you know so, what yeah. it sucks like, that's what you know what sucks about it too it makes it worse is that they go such a deep dive of Steve Weeby's life and the pain he suffered and that seemed authentic and if we find out that there's not as hardcore of a rivalry and this wasn't as big a deal to him that actually I'm just realizing that now pisses me off even more because all these <laughs> uh, failed attempts in the life of Steve Weeby whether it was yeah. the pitch the night he couldn't pitch the big game because his Bam. dad wore his arm yeah. out or the yeah all these things like that makes it that much worse and makes this repeatable viewings like almost non-existent to me i did make the note crying over donkey kong which crying uh, over yeah! donkey kong and you're right <laughs> like to Tears anyone watching this and and i remember the first time i saw it i was inspired by a, just this regular guy like me who you know, didn't really have his day in the sun as far as I was concerned in my dumb self in my 20s. So to, so to think that there's any kind of d- diffusion there uh, or tomfoolery, it is kind of disingenuous to somebody watching this for inspiration. Uh, it, it is kind of a dick move. And to be honest, like getting back to my earlier point about how I don't like trash talk, like I'm, I'm not a competitive person. I don't, I mean, like if I'm if like, there's a couple games, like if I'm playing darts and I'm doing really bad, I get mad at myself, but like, um, but like I, just cause I'm like, I know I could do better. And it just like, annoys me that I'm, you know, that, that I'm not, but like that's, but, it's, but for the most part, like, com- like I don't like this self aggrandizing and like the, the, the shit talking, the taking yourself so seriously and, and feeling so threatened over a game. Like, you know, like this is some defining part of your person. Like, I just can't relate to any of that. And I look down <laughs> on it. So like um, to, to like, so it's like the movie for me, like if it's real or if it's not real, I'm kind of annoyed. I'm actually going to give the movie, give the credit to the movie. I can't believe this. And I'm going to admit this because it's the truth. The movie actually, when Billy would say certain things about how, if like you're not, he had so many lines. I wish I had written more of them down about if you're not doing something with your life or like you're not achieving the ultimate, then oh, what are dude, you really doing? My my favorite is if not to interject, but I a burning passion to never settle for what I have in my business, in my family, 
Like, well, that fucking sucks for you, dude. <laughs> yes, yes. There's several lines like that. And I think that's actually the real him, though. Do we think that's yeah. acting? Or is this uh, Billy well, Mitchell? Because look at Chad's story. I, he told us. I mean, Chad's story. I, I do think that's him. Uh, two points. Um, I'll try to go quickly. Um, one, we have a. Well, <laughs> yeah, I will. One, I wasn't laughing as much on this viewing because I'm 41 and I'm seeing a lot of people that are obviously on the spectrum. So, so to laugh at behavior like this uh, does not seem right to me. I mean it's not that it's wrong it's just it's it's not as openly something to take advantage of for humor yeah i mean Reedy's uh, own mother says that she thinks he's on the spectrum yeah yeah right so it's easy to look at brian Koo and all these doors yeah. and losers to be so analytical about these video games and, and just be like these fucking yeah. losers are so lame this is hilarious. i don't want to make any assumptions about other people too because i think that's an easy trope sometimes that gets applied to people in that world yeah. steve weeby i'm with you but the other one i don't i don't, don't want to be so quick to judge yeah, either that's right uh, and two, right. I mean, when it comes to Billy Mitchell, <laughs> this is textbook insecurity. This is a yeah. grown adult probably in his late 30s, and that's clearly all it is. And to be honest with you, I struggle with insecurity all my life to this day. And I don't know if you guys have ever had like a real rivalry like in your lives. I have. And, and, and a lot of times I used to feel like Billy Mitchell, like if someone would mention, I was like, Remember Sweet and Lowdown where Sean Penn would like pass out anytime somebody mentioned Django Reinhardt's name because he was so envious of him? I've had many moments in my life where certain people would get brought up and I couldn't think straight. I wouldn't talk about them. I would not repeat. I would not say their name out loud. I would shut down. You see Billy Mitchell doing this multiple times during this movie at the table with Steve Sanders. I'm not familiar with the situation. He won't even say Steve's name. And that becomes and that comes from a huge sense of insecurity uh in in textbook narcissism i mean it's a clear and cut case so i, I mean so i kind of feel sorry for him and i'm kind of laughing at him that's like a terrible combination yeah. for me yeah but what about all these people that are upholding the billy mitchell image i mean why how do they get are these people again like I mean, we're talking about billy Mitchell. Sorry. Go ahead. I mean, go, to, say it. Go ahead. To answer your questions, again, it's like that that little bit of self-importance. I mean, they, they're praising um, – what's the uh, the referee guy's name again? Walter Day. Walter Day. They're yeah. praising Day about how he makes this thing go on. But, like, who is he without that? He's got the little shirt. He, you know, every now and then a camera crew shows up in his place of business. Like, like he clearly loves having this uh, this reputation. Like, like it's, it's – That changed, though. Because remember, remember the scenery with him on that winter's day or whatever, that cold day, he's in the car playing his songs and the acoustic. He's talking about, like, why do I keep doing this? And, like, he, he so he also showed a side of himself, which I don't know why they included that necessarily. Maybe it was just to give us another angle of Walter Day, the true nature of, like, boy, why do I really do this? Uh, because he originally, in the beginning of the film, yeah, he, it's, it's played to the audience that Walter Day does this not only because he believes that there should be an independent uh, analysis of this mm -hmm. world so that there, mm -hmm. we can have an official title holder of all the games, mm -hmm. et cetera. Mm -hmm. and there's all these different people who have different records for Joust and Missile Command right. and all this shit. His business on his yeah. machines. Yeah, like, it's right. It's all about exactly. him. Yeah, yeah. It, right. Right, that's a great point too. But he tries to sell it in the early part of the film as, you know, 
I enlighten these people. He starts talking about transcendental meditation and how through that he so strongly believes that he's actually allowing these people to become greater versions of themselves by trying to achieve these higher heights because they get to be officially documented by him. It's like, boy, you you have this smooth, like, oh, I'm such a sweet little guy exterior, but I'm not buying it. <laughs> but in the end, like... Like I have, uh, the whole thing you said about celebrity and the whole thing about Billy Mitchell's like I missed this. This is what I wanted to say. I'm sorry. I missed the point about how the truth of what I actually wanted to reveal to you guys earlier was that Billy Mitchell's passion and dedication to this record actually started having me for a few minutes on my mind be like, gosh, what have I done with my life? Oh my god! Because there was something he had a line about like there's nothing worse than like never meeting your potential or something like that. I can't remember exactly what he said, and I started. And it actually had me thinking for a few minutes about the what things could I have done? Is it wrong to think that I am okay not meeting my complete potential? Is it okay to just kind of have a content lifestyle? I gotta admit he hit me hard for a few minutes, which shocked me, and I'm not proud of it, but it's the truth. But that makes me think of, and I'm not a parent, so I mean, like, I don't mean to judge uh, too much, too harshly here. But the whole scene where Steve Weeby is recording his his uh, his game, and his son <laughs> has a poopy butt, and he needs his dad to come and like put his fucking video game down and come wipe his butt, and like, th- there's that's hundreds of thousands of points that take place. So it's like over two hundred thousand points that take place between him, his dad, telling him, "Hey, dad, I need help." I'm a fucking infant and I need your help and and him like being like, just hang on, just hang on. I'm doing something really important. And it's like, Oh man, like, come on, dude. Like he admitted he wasn't proud of it, I guess. But whatever. Yeah. I see your point. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his daughter also in the car, you'll remember is like subtly telling his, <laughs> her dad. Oh yeah. That was a great line. <laughs> there's a, there's a daughter. I miss yeah, that. yeah. In the minivan trip before he flies out to Florida, she said something really poignant about like a lot of these people seem very unhappy. <laughs> so like, and there's this weird stuff like, like his his trip was bankrolled by like his rich friend. Like, what the fuck's going yeah, on here? The ten thousand dollar bounty to beat the record. Uh, what the? <laughs> fuck? How do we know that's true though? Now, like, I don't even know what's true anymore. Like this this whole movie review is unfolding before me and you right now with the question of what is real, what is it? I'm truly honestly, I'm baffled. They, it's a film crew with a budget. It's gonna be they their movie doesn't work if they don't have their two leads interact with one another. The the friend with the ten thousand dollar uh, steak is probably the fucking executive producer of the King of Kong. <laughs> yeah. Oh my well, god, that might be the case. Kill screen coming up. <laughs> Seth Gordon, like, I I don't know. Horrible bosses was okay, but his track record yeah, is not like out of sight. Um, oh, he's a regular. Oh, he's not a documentarian. And, oh boy, no. Um, he's a regular. But yeah, he he would go to Fun Spot. Like he saw this world, so he saw the potential for a documentary about this subculture of people and like, but, but you're right, dude. Like, especially when it comes to like these characters and they're talking, yeah, they've been dude. They've been talking about turning this into like a movie movie for years. Just like Mm -hmm. film it, make it a narrative version, but like how the fuck you duplicate like Billy Mitchell, regardless if he's full of shit, this is like a genuine, like human emotion from, from these real people. 
Uh, it never works. Like I, I was researching like documentaries that have been turned into movies. It never worked. Dogtown and Z Boys is fucking fantastic, and like Lords of Dogtown was like whatever. Marwin Call is my probably my favorite doc- documentary, and Welcome to Marwin is trash. Great Garden. It never works when when you have people and these types of characters that are just so compelling. The realness of the situation is what makes it so remarkable. So, yeah, of course. to hear that there was some tomfoolery here does suck for sure. That's what makes documentaries so compelling. You're right, because it's, and that's why people, well, the they're, they're wrong. They watch reality TV because they think that's real. It's not real mm-hmm. at all. But documentaries actually are stories of real human beings, supposedly. And you think, wow, that really happened. And depending mm-hmm. on how hardcore, how compelling, how compa- how passionate the story is, or how unique that story is, you're like, wow. That can never be replicated in a dramatic form because right. nothing tops reality when it's truly real. But but like how real is it? Of course, because we're talking about there's you know so much footage that ends up on the editing room floor, right? There's there's they, there's some narrative that has to be crafted. It makes me think of when I was in grad school, for, like well taking all my history courses and stuff. One of the things that we talked a lot about was that there is just there's no capital T truth because even if you have this wonderfully sourced and wonderfully written historical assessment of of all these different sources or something you, that author had to cherry pick and, and choose what to put in <laughs> what not to put in yeah. and like create some sort of narrative to make it manageable so it, they had some sort of story and some sort of arc to follow and that's and that's a, that's true for any documentary so I, it, it it makes perfect sense for a documentary to be on our show because i mean all, you know this is still like a degree of fiction there is no like yeah. reality when it comes to you know we i don't think we should go to documentary expecting reality that said as we kind of started this off it, it, you you do kind of or at least i expect a degree of of veracity like it's some sort of act like the whole like if you're going to present to me that these that this guy walked in and was a dick to this person and then I learned that, in fact, they'd spent the whole fucking day together and it made no sense for him to greet him mm-hmm. like that. Just it it, it it feels like you could have told this story in a way that was still interesting that mm-hmm. didn't involve quite so much bending the truth. You know, the major Lemmings, manipulation. Right. Lemmings never leapt off any fucking cliff. There was a Disney documentary where they literally herded Lemmings off a cliff and created an entire fictional uh, biological behavior that some people still believe is real. And I love that game though when I was a kid. <laughs> this that. movie yeah, is a it's a it's a it's people pushing lemmings off a cliff. It really wow. is. And, and it goes way back. Uh when I was in college we, in my film class, we watched uh <laughs> fucking uh, Nanica the North. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's another 1920. One. All bullshit. Entirely mm-hmm. fabricated narrative of a of a you know Eskimo quote unquote daily life. All bullshit. All yeah, just uh, completely fabricated. Yeah, completely staged. So, yeah. What do you do? You got you got to make it entertaining, or else you're watching someone, you know, flip burgers or be at work, like like your students were saying. <laughs> well, but that said, like you take March of the Penguins, say, which you know, like they're mm-hmm. you have you have all this narrative trying to like instill this drama and instill these feelings in you, and who knows? With like, there's multiple shots of like twenty penguins playing one penguin. You know, like it's all completely. Mm-hmm. bullshit and, and so trying to create some specific story about like you know there's this one egg that you know etc etc but that <laughs> but at the same time you, there is this reality about what penguins go through in mm-hmm. these in these mm-hmm. climbs right there is like the there, there it's completely manufactured but there is some truth there um 
and I guess there's there's truth here too, as we got with Bill, Chad's Billy Mitchell story. But it just feels, I don't know, it feels a little flimsy. Yeah. Well, mm. this does. I guess I'll give this credit because it opens up a discussion about what objective truth really is and the philosophy mm -hmm. of that, and and the the whole point earlier about the subsessiveness of celebrity culture. You know, this uh, documentary came out right around when the Kardashians started to blow up too, which is uh, I think an interesting comp and mm. it. Because you got the, I mean, the mainstream massive version of a family that exploited opportunities to become a reality empire, and which is very much based on vanity and celebrity and all this surface material shit. And then you got these people who are also very involved with their materialism, which is a fucking game. I mean, the whole thing is based around a material item. And the, like Steve Weeby doesn't, He's not presented to me in this movie, nor do I believe that he's a nefarious guy or that he could put on an act. Like, that seemed genuine, and who he is and his family, uh, I buy all that. But everybody else outside of that is suspect to me and causes confusion now. And I guess I even wonder, like, maybe I, maybe I need to watch this again now and look at it. I need to dive. I guess my question for you guys is, does it matter what the truth is? about some of these relationships and some of the revelations about Billy Mitchell, like we said, the uh, 2018 revelations about him cheating and all that jazz now. Does it need an update with, like, kind of a addendum to this documentary? Not a real, not a uh, dramatic retelling, but an actual documentary follow-up, like a half-hour show about it? Or is this so much bullshit that's like, fuck it, who cares? There's obviously <laughs> a Cobra Kai version of this story that could be told, with Billy Mitchell as the as the hero, because like the the whole thing is that you you want to root for the underdog, and Billy Mitchell is presented in this movie as like, like the guy who's got it all figured out when it comes to this video game, and Steve Weeby is the guy on the outside. So now it's like, you know, <laughs> coming this summer sends us the message: a documentary on the documentary that yeah! is meta, but that would be good. Yeah, I, I would watch that. I would watch that. Yeah, and and. A critic made a point earlier about how tedious it is to watch people play video games if you're not actually playing it yourself. And the film is kind of like watching a video game. So if you take it by that rationale, even when you're watching someone play Mario and they get the flute and they skip to another world or they get the warp zone and skip to another world, that's all part of the game, man. So you, there's cheating in video games. You can put the game genie on, and I never use that thing, and kind of still have Neither fun. Did I. So <laughs> it, it really doesn't matter. I guess it's just really about the entertainment here. But we are getting unique perspectives and personalities of this world that it's hard to get anywhere else. Yeah, there's something very empty about the, an obsession to find a tiniest little piece of acknowledgement from others in the world. Especially when you're a mature adult. Uh, I'll, maybe I'll even give you a pass a little bit in the 30s, but by the time you're 40, you get no more passes from me at all just because I made it that far and I know what it's like now. So I can at least comment on that and understand it from my own individual circumstance. I, I got beef with that. It, there's just no, mm. no long-term uh, substance or validity or meaningfulness to that uh. type of uh, obsession. 
how about the scene where they put like plexiglass in front of Steve Weeby and gave him a sharpie and had him like draw out like he was fucking oh, yeah. goodwill hunting? Like, his whole plan. Oh, that boy. was so cringy. Beautiful mind tactics. <laughs> why, are they, why are they doing this? Yeah, I didn't even know why they were doing it at all. It's controversial too. Like, there's there's no way you're gonna go to a fun spot and start drawing on the screen. That's you'd straight up get kicked out. Um, you know, I've been to Hollywood, Florida, and, and it was like around 2002. I really or one. I really wish that I had gone to. Oh, dude! <laughs> hey, hey, guys, I can't help but not bring it up. Bully! That's where the murder happened in the movie Bully, Hollywood, Hollywood Florida. Florida. Oh, man. Okay. So, I went to go is. watch that the other day, and it wasn't streaming anywhere. So oh, uh, but I was ready. Okay. I was ready to finally fucking pull the trigger and watch Bully. Wow! Damn it! I'm sorry, Russell. Russell. Someday. Yeah. I'll do it. Russell. <laughs> but, Mike, you, t- you talk about validation, and you talk about these guys being a little bit too old for this type of you know petty nonsense. But the story is about validation. Like, they take the time to talk about Steve Wiebe. Granted, they go back and are like, hey, let's dig into this a little bit more to have a story here. But you'll notice even when, like, he kind of, like, wins the competition, such as it is, it's important to Steve to have his name spelled right for, like, those eight people that are sitting Mm -hmm. there. He wants the guy to literally start over again before he gives them this accolade. (laughs) So it's humble... And as this guy is, he's, he's still craving that. Yeah, right. Um, I was just going to say it could have been weird. edited to be. Like anybody who miscorrected my name for the first time knowing me, I might be like, oh, it's actually this. But I might not mean I'm like, hey, I got to have it that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I, I don't uh, know. Coming this summer also says, I like to see a doc on other game communities like WoW or League of Legends of those crazies. So what I'm surprised those about? don't exist, actually. So What are these games? I stopped playing video games like 20 years ago. Yeah, well, that's the other thing about this movie is that this says even more to me because this is a game that is so fucking old. Donkey Kong, these games are decades old. It shows that they're hung up in the past, too. There's no... Oh, yeah. Billy Billy Mitchell is still, like, he's been riding on for 15 years on the fame (laughs) that came with being on this Time magazine or Life magazine, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, it, I mean, like these guys are very much, yeah, they're locked in the past in a big yeah. way. It's I think true. that's an important. Piece it's of true, yeah. but I also like the fact that they talk about why these games stand the test of time, man. If you've ever played fucking Donkey Kong, it's impossible to get past that third level with with the elevators. This was all hand-eye coordination, very specific moves. It's not like today you're wandering around looking for some stupid like key or some bullshit yeah, forever. But it's, it's also just, it's a skill set. Well, yeah, but it's also it's memorization. Like it's mm-hmm. not like so long as you learn the code, and as long as you learn what to do when. Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like it's memorization basically. Which I, that, right. I don't know if that that's a skill necessarily. It's not I mean, problem solving. It, well, that's not true. I guess I mean like you memorize how to play guitar or whatever. Like it's a simpler skill. It's a, yeah. I don't know. It's there's something. I mean like hey, catch a uh, wild it, fireball, you could be fucked. It's a wild barrel. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Oh, it's a, it's a construction site. I never realized. This. I mean, I saw the yeah. barrels and ladders and shit. But I never put two and two together. I'm like, oh, it's a construction yeah. site. I thought it was an erector set, uh, just put together as a video <laughs> game. But it was I a level. Know. I thought it was a level. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've uh, we've done a fine job. Uh, coming the summer says waiting for the yeah. champion of Pong, Doc. Yeah, let's go back even farther to the beginning. 
when there was different video games. Most old games were coded with patterns, as Travis said. That's yeah, this is uh, yeah. I mean, like once you learn how to get through the underwater glowing electric coral with your turtle, you're you're set for life on playing exactly. That. But, particular it's level. not a it's not a choose your own adventure situation in those games not today's games are they could have many different outcomes and it's right unpredictability i think is like that that you're again i'm not a gamer here but i think that that shows like true skill as if you can like sur, like like surmount the unpredictable when, when the game throws it at you i think that's a completely fair point yeah how many copies of uh Mr. Awesome's Guide to Girls, you think were sold on VHS? Uh, <laughs> uh, from, by Roy uh, Awesome? Um, yeah. <laughs> remember how they were all pissed at him, too? They didn't even really bother explaining why they were no, so they never, mad at him. Like, like as if there's a thing. manufactured like, ri- rivalry, perhaps? <laughs> manufactured uh, rivalry? Yeah. Bye. Nice coming this summer. Thanks coming this summer. All right. Uh, let's get let's close it out. Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's do find it. out if this one holds up or not. <sighs> Who's kicking okay. things off? Anybody? Who's going first? Uh, I'll go first. All right, great. There we go. So um, I think that this is... Uh, I, I totally get the hype for this movie. I can see why so many people were thrilled when it came out, why it got the viewership that it got and why people have talked about it for over 15 years. Like I've heard about it, you know, I, I totally get it, but I also feel like it's like, since I didn't see it when it came out in 07 or so, whenever it was um, that I, I approaching it fresh 15 years later with some heightened expectations, maybe. Um, yeah, I mostly watching that just kind of like uh, these winners are losers. These winners are real losers. Um, like they're just and I and I that, but then I I felt bad for judging them and I feel bad judging them on the podcast now. Like I don't like I don't know these people. Like I'm seeing like these very carefully crafted versions of them. They could be nothing like this. But again, Chad's story about Billy Mitchell does suggest something for sure. But still, like, I, I don't like laughing at people and I don't like watching stuff that makes me like feel like I'm better than people, which I think is basically what reality television is. I think that most people I know, yes. not to speak of uh, all people who like reality television, but I think the thrill in reality television is this indulgent feeling that you are superior to this. These people know, you know, look, oh, they're so rich, yet they're so stupid or whatever. Um, so and and. And I think that there's a lot of that going on with this movie. I think that we're intended to kind of laugh at them. So I feel kind of, well, I feel a little chumpetized. I feel like maybe I'm, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm a bit of a stick in the mud. I'm not the funnest guy in the world. But this movie, I I, I didn't laugh at it. I kind of, the more I learn about the, the, how disingenuous it was, the the less invested I am in it. In it. But honestly, I, I also just kind of found it. I mean, towards the end, I was I, like, when it actually ended, I looked up from my phone and went, oh, it's over because I was playing a game on my phone. <laughs> Speaking of Hello. playing games. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, for me, it, it, it didn't really hold up. If, if I had seen it before, I think that I would have gotten maybe, I, I think I would appreciate it, you know, uh, in a different in a different way. But for me, it just it just didn't do it for me. So I'm glad, That's that, interesting I'm, point. I'm glad you brought it on. I, I, I probably, you know, I've been meaning to watch it. I otherwise wouldn't have, but it just didn't do it for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, you. It is an interesting point to think about. Man, what if we could have watched like this unfold from when I first came out, and then like experienced everything else that's ancillary to it in real time later on? 
interesting uh, thing that we can never go back and do. And I can't do it either. Nope. Uh, I, I, uh, the film was entertaining enough. It was actually quite entertaining. I, I watched it completely and truly. No fast forwarding whatsoever. And uh, I, because with the documentary, I'm usually, if it's a documentary that's new to me, uh, it'd be very, very unlikely that I would fast forward that because it, there's not tropes usually, although there are documentary tropes, but it's less likely. And supposedly it's supposed to be organic. So I would be like, oh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen here if it's interesting at all. And the movie was. And I, you know, the soundtrack, I mean, soundtrack for documentary, you got some The Cure, you got you got some uh, quality songs on there too that kind of were pick me up. It's like, oh, I love this song. And, mm-hmm. um, Weeby's a decent drummer. That was fucking incredible. That was That cool. is a shit kids toy yeah. set. And I don't think that was false audio at all. I was like, wow, that is amazing. I was genuinely like blown away by that. I'm That's glad you brought favorite. that up. That's my favorite part of the movie, actually. I'm glad I brought it up. God here. damn, that is amazing. Holy shit. Those things are terrible to play on. <laughs> that was cool. Um, but I, I can't remove the information now that um, has been given to me during this episode. So I'm kind of absorbing it in real time and thinking, boy, that's kind of disappointing to find out uh, that maybe they were cooler. To, they weren't as head-to-head and enraged and bitter conflict for this game. Uh, and some of the scores here from the critics and the fans are like, really? Uh, like, I mean, it's enjoyable and it was entertaining, but 97% from the critics is like, holy shit. But it does expose things that several of all of us have brought up about the celebrity and about uh, uh, vanity and a desperate need to cling to something meaningful, to have a meaning to your life uh, besides just living it. You know, there's some really interesting philosophical nuggets that can be broken down from this film. So that does have merit, regardless of the validity of the story or not. But it is a documentary, and that does bother me. I, I'm truly torn. I really am, because I was entertained, but now I'm pissed. But there's still stuff to break down within it to be like, hey, wow, this is interesting. And these guys being who they are or not does bother me enough that I... I think I'm going to go with the situation where it's like, I think you should watch it, but I would advise you to be aware of the story after the fact. If you don't want to have it spoiled, read all about it afterwards, and then you might go back and be like, I'm never going to watch that again. Uh, So it's weird. It's like it's entertaining, but if you don't want to have it spoiled, you're going to have to go into it without actually knowing all the details that surround it beyond the movie. So, And they wouldn't be listening now, right, right. in this podcast (laughs) to be able to take your advice. So if you've seen it and you're aware of all the bullshit around it and you still love it, I don't know how you could say that. I, <laughs> I think I'm going to say it doesn't hold up. I'm sorry. It doesn't hold up. That's a tough call. I'm I was sorry. Like, shit that out. It was so hard. Like, it was. Oh, I, I mean, thought that hold up. I, I, I guess I should have read more about it after, you know, before we went on the air. I, I like to go in fresh. But I do like to do research on stuff after I watch a film, too. So that's my bad, I guess. Yeah, man. Um it's tough. I mean, you you take the film just on its own merit. Completely different viewpoint about it. You know, I've seen it a few times. I've probably seen it four or five times. And I always like getting into this esoteric world. Just makes me happy thinking about when I used to have my Atari 2600 and I played fucking combat, Keystone Capers and Gorf every day. And just how challenging it was. Uh, uh, I, I just like... I like the structure of the movie. I like the fact that they set up the villain first and and they do it really well. We got this like 
totally egotistical dipshit, but he's not necessarily like a like a bad person. He's just like an arrogant businessman, super insecure. And all the best villains, like in all movies, have like this level of complexity. It's just interesting the way they they set it up, such as it is. They had to, you know, they had to get a story out of it. And I like what they came up with, man. It it uh, if if you like um, you know, movies that that offer you people that can teach you a little bit about humility and success. I mean, the big theme about the movie for me is success and what that means to other people and more importantly to oneself. Like what makes you a success? Is it, is it having a family? Is it being good at something? Is it having been good at something and now like you're still good at it? The, these are questions I think about often and the movie remi- reminds me about it in a way that still makes me laugh, man. Um, it fizzles out a bit at the end. Like you can totally tell like they like tagged that like last thing on at the very end, like big credit saying, but so cheesy and, and like, so like amateur hour. Um, but for what it is, man, I, I, I have fun with the movie. I, I'm, I'll, I'll see it a few more times in, in my day. If you liked it, watch chasing ghosts, which explores it. And Man versus Snake explores this subculture. Both of them have Walter Day in them. And I don't know, it's just a fun world for me. I think the documentary holds up. I have fun with it. It's different. So yeah, I, I still dig it. Okay. All right. All well, right. I, I feel bad that neither one of us liked it when neither one of us well, we it's not so much we didn't like it necessarily. It's just that we said it didn't hold up when we, neither one of us had seen it before. Uh, I know that doesn't feel necessarily great, but I am glad to have watched it. Just too many strings being pulled here. It's too confusing now. So, but it Pour wasn't the strings. Ah, <laughs> 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 right, there it is. The King of Kong, a fistful of quarters. Thanks for uh, the commentary here. Uh, we got some good stuff from BS Plus. Good show, guys. Thank Thanks, BS Plus. Thank BS Plus. Thank you. Thank is it like bullshit plus, or is that something else? I'm curious. Who is that? Kind of decrease from the black. Not even Helen of Troy got that much attention, though, right? Ah. Uh, <laughs> I fucking Damn. well, that was so fucking lame of a comment. Oh it's always lame when like the lamest guy in the room too makes a Helena Troy comment. It's like you're so desperate to sound like you're intelligent by saying that. In my you opinion, know, I too. know things about history. Yeah, yeah I know Helena <laughs> Troy is. I've studied it. Yeah, it's like saying something about Cleopatra. You don't know Dick. One last right. dig at Billy. Yes, uh, I, you know <laughs> Billy Mitchell. If you ever want to come on the show for an interview, we would love to have you. I'm going to put that out there right now. Open invite. You want to set the record straight? You want to be uh, the version of yourself you present to the public? That's your call, but I'd like to uh, if get he you does, on here. If he does come on, we have to get Jeff, your brother Jeff on as well, so we can do a side-by-side yeah. comparison. Oh, we, we, we would do a surprise Jeff reveal in Stun Billy suddenly. That's what would be fascinating. Who is this man uh, who looks like me only more attractive? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Jeff's definitely handsomer than he is. Uh, okay. So I guess it's my turn now. It is, I mm-hmm. guess. You can pick one of the many movies that you've watched but not told us about in the past couple sure. of weeks. Nope, yeah. not going to pick any of those. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think we've... Have we done a sports movie? Yeah. I guess we're due. I guess we're due. I was going to pick Moneyball, but I ended up watching it without you guys. Good. That's fine. I'd rather do this one then. I I don't think we have done a sports movie. I know we've done 114 or so episodes, but uh, we go back to 1992. 
Still in a room without a view. Tin cup? Uh, no, that's 97, I think. Uh, yeah, no, this is a, a movie that I always enjoyed growing up. I watched it a billion times, and uh, I, I wonder how it looks today. I, I don't, I'm don't. i sure you guys have probably seen it, but if you haven't seen it, uh, I'd be really surprised as well. So let's do 1992's White Men Can't Jump. Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes. You know, I've had that one on my list off and on for a while, and I was brought Oh, really? Up. But like it's such a well-regarded classic. I know it's one of your favorite movies. I'm like, so it's probably going to hold up. But oh, I'm shit. excited. I'm excited. I mean, this is one of your favorite movies. Am I wrong? I really enjoy the film. Yeah, yeah. I do. Uh, but you I called was... it one of your favorite movies on the show before. Yeah, I talked to Wes. Yeah, when I talked about Wesley Snipes, you're right. That's true. You were close. I think Ron Shelton did Tin Cup. Travis. He did. Ron Shelton did a lot of uh, sports movies. I actually was thinking of another sports movie inside of this one. Maybe I should have picked the other one now. Crap. So, is this going to be an easy call now? I don't know. Eric, you've definitely seen this movie, right? I watched it a few months ago. I talked Shit! about it extensively God on the program. It. All right. Well, fuck it. Then we'll just have a good time. Okay? Okay. So, yeah. Sounds good. Unless you guys want me to change it. I can change it. I have the other one ready to go. I already know I like the movie, but I'm happy to watch it and talk about it and continue to keep liking it. Yeah, but this, this seems like so obvious now. I don't know. Kind of that's feels why like I never chose I it. Okay, that's what I'm. Willing, I think I'm going to go the other direction. I, I'm going to pull it. I'm going to go the other way. I don't I'm mean to talk you out of it. I think that we're you know more people will probably be into it. You know, people like that movie. But do whatever you want, man. It's your it's your pick. What's your heart yeah. telling you, Mike? Well, I wanted to do that movie, but I just I didn't know you guys were. I thought maybe it'd be like, oh yeah, you know, I don't watch that one as much or know it as well. But it's clearly not the case. So mm-hmm. shit. Uh, my other option was. I was thinking about going with uh, Bull Durham, Kevin Costner, Ron Shelton movie I've from 1988. Yeah, You've never seen, seen that movie? Durham. I've seen it once, probably yes. in the 80s or early 90s. We're doing it. Then let's do it then. Bull Durham. Durham. Okay, yeah, that would Durham. be more appropriate for this show. I appreciate you guys allowing me to adjust the pick. I had two yeah. ready to go. I was prepared at least, which is unusual. Um, okay, Bull Durham. Let's do it. I mean, 1988. I still hope, I, I do kind of hope we do White Man Can't Jump at some point because I do think it's a really good movie, but that's also why I never picked it. Bull Durham, I think, is it may, it's a well regarded film that will basically be new to me again. So, yeah, you know, I haven't, I haven't watched it in 10, 12 years either. So, Tim in a Robbins? way, it, that's right. Tim okay. Robbins, Kevin Costner, uh, Ron Shelton's first feature with uh, movie, uh, sports <laughs> movies. Another Ron Shelton movie. My God. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he's done Bull Durham, Major League, yeah. White Men Can't Jump, and the Tin Cup. That's like his oh, thing. He really bounces around from sport to sport. Yeah, like like he really couldn't branch out. Like he's never done anything else in his life. Let's play that, sports uh, and watch sports and talk about water sports. polo movie coming out. Curling feature. <laughs> All right, so there it is. A little bit of a curveball, an unusual conclusion. We're going to go with Bull Durham officially for the Bull record Durham. next week. Lock it in. Live, and uh, I hope, I'm sure we can find that movie online. I'm sure if, I wish I could tell you where it's streaming right now. We'd love to tell you those things. Like Travis said, we should tell you that more often. And If you vamp for a second, I'll tr- see if I can figure it out. Yeah, well, usually on our social media, you should be following us anyways, and you can keep in touch with us in between where we'll post uh, movie reviews on occasion on Instagram or the Twitter or whatever social media you prefer. But uh, you can also yeah. find that out. We could post it for you after the fact. And the Patreon, too, is how you can connect with us directly. You could even message us directly on the Patreon if you're a patron. It's a lot of fun, and you will enjoy it. It looks like it's um, on the red. Oh, it's on Tubi. Woo! It's on Yay! Tubi. Tubi. Tubi, Tubi comes video. through again. It's on Tubi. There it's on go. Prime. It's on Hell Showtime. Yeah. It's streaming quite a few places. Pluto, it looks like, okay. as well. So should they have no problem finding Bull Durham to watch. Well, that's good news for all of us. 
Great. All right. All right. Free. <laughs> okay. All right, well, uh, that's today's show. Thanks so much for watching. Thanks for listening. Five-star review, please. Can you pump up the show? Share with your friends. Try to grow a little bit. I think we got something fun here. We're done 100-plus episodes already. We got a groove growing. But if you have ideas for the show, you can email us, cinnamonipod at protonmail.com, or become a patron. Take it even farther and share your ideas. We'll listen to you a lot more if you're a patron, because that's what America's all about. Money buys you access. It's just the American <laughs> way. Money so. is everything. <laughs> All right, for Travis, he's Eric. I'm Michael. Thanks so much, everybody.